Hello, and welcome to CDO Magazine interview series. I'm Andy Park. I'm co-founder and vice president at uh, Team Central, an intelligent automation company. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Paul Foster, founder of OnePlan, a company that helps or event organizers by providing planning tools. Welcome, Paul. Thanks very much. Great to be here and to join you today. Great. So tell us a little bit about your company, OnePlan. Can you uh, also, I'd like, if you wouldn't mind, explain uh, the digital twin software connection that I've been reading about on your website as well. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So we started out as a GIS mapping platform to enable event planners, event suppliers, venue owners to plan their events and plan their venues. So think about all the temporary overlay infrastructure, human resources needed and required to put on, on events. Uh, you need to plan where they where all go. You need to get the approvals to do it from emergency services, maybe the local governments as well. So think of it a little bit like a Google Doc, but for event site planning and uh, mapping. Uh, that's gone very, very well since the three and a half years that we that we launched, most of that time actually in, in a pandemic. And about uh, probably about 18 months in, we were working with a particular client. It's a lot, we love what you do in the 2D system. What we'd really like to do is see that all in 3D. So we can walk around the venue, we can check out the venue. And one of the key things is that we can't actually go to the venue where our event is at the moment because it's a COVID hospital. So we're restricted from, from doing that. So we went away, connected up with a, with a gaming engine, and then created a 3D world of our 2D platform. And the key thing is they're connected together in real time. So I've created two plan. It's still one plan, 2D system and 3D system. And um, everything's kind of stuck around after the, the pandemic, people really utilizing it heavily. And the huge cost savings, carbon footprint saving, and sustainability elements are, are really, really strong. So I would say that the pandemic was a an accelerator. Um, but yeah, that's that's really how it all came about from a from a real genuine need. Yeah, the th the 3D capabilities look pretty pretty impressive on on your on your website. Uh, looks really neat how you can kind of overlay. Uh, it almost looks like a CAD three D background, you know, with a, with a CAD capability in there as well. Is that is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah, but it kind of goes beyond there. So we can do very clever things like we can sim simulate the sun's position very accurately. So for the work in Paris, uh, they want to know where the sun's going to be at six o'clock in the evening on you know the twenty first of July. We can do that. That's very important for things like how you position the field of play. Will it impact on the athletes at certain times? Will it impact on the broadcast cameras? So we can simulate individual broadcast camera capability. So the people planning where those positions are don't actually have to go to Paris. They can do it you know, from home. And the other element uh, advantages they get is if they went there today, it looks very different to how it will look during games time. So actually doing it in a digital twin is more accurate, more realistic than actually going, going to the venue. Very interesting. So what was the, other than COVID being maybe an accelerator, what was the inspiration for this, uh, you know, this, this solution? Yeah, my background's in crowd science. I've now worked on um, six Olympic Games. Paris is my, my number six. So planning and predicting and profiling and planning for the large numbers of people that come to um, Olympic Games. I had a role on London 2012. I oversaw the, um, the people movement planning for um, the Olympic Park. 
Now, all the planning that's done on, on Olympic Games and other major events as well, number one planning tool is PowerPoint. The number two planning mm-hmm. tool is Excel. So what am I talking about there? Planning where all these human resources, signage, wayfinding, bins, tents, cabins, containers, barriers, and such like. It's done in PowerPoint because that's what everybody has on their computer. They cut and paste from the AutoCAD or from Google Maps, Google Earth, put it into PowerPoint and then start planning in their own way. And there's obvious challenges with that. All those plans are disconnected from each other. If you're doing security and maybe I'm doing catering, cleaning waste, we're not connected. And as soon as we develop that plan, it's it's out of date. Essentially, what we wanted to do is create one plan, single source of truth. So the single source of truth data that was live of all the planning um, information. So like I said before, it's a little bit like a Google Google Doc, you know, where you can go in there and you can see it to this cursor. You can do the same in our system. You see it to this cursor and you, and you can plan together in real time. And when we go up to Olympic scale, you know, we're talking, you know, thousands of users, not a few users for a kind of a small festival. So we can really scale it. Some people plan their weddings in one plan. We've had people plan um, vaccine sites in one plan, but then all the way up to um, an Olympic and Paralympic Games. Wow. So you actually have, uh, maybe I didn't understand this before, you actually have uh, uh, users that are are planning different aspects of the event, logging in and collaborating on Correct. your platform. That's pretty slick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that, that's not able to be achieved before before now. It's kind of the first time it's been able to be, be achieved. So we just imagine that the efficiencies on that, particularly if you're doing kind of repeat events. And people, you know, want, they want to keep those events in one place and share it with the people who may be supplying the event, sharing it with the emergency services and keep that for the following year as well. So it's almost treated a little bit like a Dropbox of all their event site plans. Wow. Um, what what do you say, that, what would you say the, the are the factors that have contributed most to your success so far? And um, as you're thinking about that, uh, any any particular aha moments that, that have occurred that um you know that say wow th- this really changed the course of how we're how we're taking this thing yeah i'd say with um, the success we've had it's down to our deeper understanding of the need so we didn't start off as a tech company we're all the people in the team vast majority are all event planners and they've got lots of experience from some of the biggest sports federations in the world but then also you know working on festivals and so we, we deeply understand the challenges and problems and i'd say you know pretty much everyone on my team has worn a hard hat a high-vis jacket and carried barriers around so 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 they get it and they're all you know tech enthusiasts so they understand how technology kind of um, benefit things so i think that's the that's the first thing um you know we deeply understand it and we keep um that use case those user needs right right at the forefront of um, of everything um in terms of the aha moment i guess there's been a couple when very early on you know the first person who came on and you know, put a credit card in and actually kind of subscribe and pay a subscription. That was a huge moment. It's like, okay, someone else other than just me right. and our CTO actually think this is not a bad idea. Um, and then it kind of uh, grows from there. But um, yeah, I guess it's just at the speed it's gone. And, and for me, another big thing was when we started to have use cases outside of events. So when uh, a city authority actually in, in the United States started planning vaccine sites, uh, and we had another city authority in the U.S. start planning queue systems in front of polling stations for the U.S. election. OK, it's 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 kind of broader. Other sectors have this kind of same issue of not being able to collaborate together on a map, essentially. Um, so, yeah, that's then we started to realize, actually, this is kind of a lot bigger than we you know, initially thought. 
really neat. What what about um, could you comment on any hurdles that you've had to overcome that were particularly difficult and um, maybe in context, help me understand, um, you know, has, has data or access to data or data quality been one of those hurdles? And so one of the first hurdles was, you know, six months after we went live, um, the world changed, we hit, we hit the pandemic and it's like, oh, well, we're in, a, we're in a bit of trouble here. There's going to be no events happening. Um, but actually uh, it was a driver because maybe events won't happen, but everybody was planning. And they were planning again, planning again, and planning again. So we quickly built in social distancing tools um, so people could plan how many people could fit in an area according to their local social distancing requirements. I think at the time it was six feet in the US. We had two meters in the UK. I think India was 1.5 meters. It's all different all over, but we, we built in adjustments, how long queues would be to get into a venue. We automatically calculated that in a very, very easy and simple way. And we also built a social distancing calculator for stadiums arenas. It was actually used by the by the Brooklyn Nets for the Barclays Center. So it's instantly kind of calculated for you which seats to fill based on your kind of rules. So we adapted quickly to kind of what was happening in the world. Uh, that was great. Gave us um, you know more credibility and, and got kind of eyeballs on the on the platform as well. Um, in terms of data, I mean, we, we have a lot of data that's kind of inputted into the system. Um, big thing we're focused on is how we use that data then benefit the end user. So we know how many crowd barriers uh, are placed in Melbourne, um, you know, last week. You know, we've had over 25,000 events planned in the system in 110 countries. So there's, there's a lot of information there that we've got about how things are done. And what we're looking at is how we can use that data to make events safer and to make things more efficient. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a kind of a big um, focus on us. We don't, um, you know, hold any kind of personal data on people, uh, but we, you know, we're, we're particularly strong in terms of cybersecurity because all the requirements we've had with um, Black Olympic Games. Um, but yeah, I, I think the next step for us is to understand how we can use data better. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I've seen some of this uh, this open AI and Chat GPT and some things that have come out recently that might make things particularly interesting. You know. Um, from a data access standpoint, what would it, what would a typical I and mean, maybe there isn't a typical uh, example, but what's a typical customer engagement look like? You know, how would you, uh, you know, if if I had a big event that I wanted to plan, what how would you engage with me as a customer, and what what would that typically look like? Yeah, it all really kind of depends how you've first come in contact with us. Um, quite often. Um, it's you know, Google advertising, or you might see something on Facebook or, or LinkedIn, because anyone can come to the platform today. You can come in and, and start using the system for free. One event, you can start planning it, and uh, you know away you go. And we've had a big focus on making it as easy as possible for people to to use things and, and get on board. I think there's, there's lots of other good examples of that. Probably Canva. Uh, is the uh, most widely known one. If you go onto Canva, it's very easy to get get what you want in terms of your design, and then get into the system and start using it really, really easily. And we've really focused on making this a system that anyone can use. You don't have to be like an engineer to use this uh, platform. And we copy how things move uh, to what people are kind of familiar with. So we make the onboarding, uh, you know, very, very quick. Now there are some clients who need much more advanced functionality. 
they may need to put in um, restrictive security provisions because they might say, well, actually, I'm I'm the security team. I'm planning over here, but I don't actually want anybody else in the team yet to see what I'm doing because um, we've got to be really, really cautious about the information. And when you go to an Olympic scale, 37 competition venues, over 50 functional areas, uh, Olympic, Paralympic, some venues have multiple sports, over 100 non-competition venues. You can very, very easily see how it could get out of hand without correct permission structures uh, and appropriate kind of sharing of data. So we adjust the system according to kind of scale of events. Uh, obviously, budget comes into that as well, and, and in terms of like how they want it, um, how they want it structured. So yeah, a very scalable approach. It doesn't really get. Uh, it's more the enterprise clients who take the three D on board, for example, um, and for them, it's where they can monetize um, the three D side. Then it makes it very, very compelling. So they've been using our venue twin models to sell hospitality space, to sell advertising space. Uh, at a venue and you've probably seen you know the work we did with the LA Clippers so digitally twinning the Intuit Dome which opens up in 2024 so they've been able to showcase that venue to high-end clients for hospitality and also sell the advertising space as well and at the same time uh, ownership are able to walk around the venue see exactly how it will look once it opens and make any adjustments that they need to rather than just looking at, uh, at CAD plans. Very, very interesting. Yeah, I did see that uh, that the uh, basketball court floor uh, on your website. Is that what you're referring to, the Clippers? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's the new venue in LA. Yeah. Um, as you engage with customers, um, you know, they, they, I'm I'm sure they have requests. They have uh, features that they'd like to see, you know, included in the platform. How do you balance a, you know, the kind of this pipeline of customer requests with your your product you know vision and roadmap yeah it always always a challenge um the, the customers that are the best people to help you develop your your product because they have kind of real genuine need and they're often very good at describing like we need this because of this and it's often very very kind of um compelling um, so we have a way of kind of like filtering that through the, the, the system in terms of, okay, will other people need this uh, particular functionality to filter that through? And then, you know, how easy and quickly can we uh, adapt that and change that? And then also considering if we do this, does it have a knock-on effect on something else and then, which will have a knock-on effect, a negative impact on any of our kind of customers? So we look on the on the knock-on effect, but we try to do that, you know, as, as quickly as we can. So our, our product team, I'm just experts in that in terms of taking the uh, user requirement or the, the functionality request that comes in, uh, getting a deep understanding of like why um, that's re required and then what it's going to take to kind of do it. And then we have our roadmap. What we all do, we, we kind of prioritize things. Obviously, there's there's bugs and, uh, and fixes that need to happen and, and they're dealt with very quickly. But in terms of feature requests, yeah, we have a, a kind of a product team that, that controls that whole kind of product roadmap. And then um, what's what's coming next? And uh, yeah, the, our own team come up with ideas. I, I like to come up with, you know, what the next thing might be and the big ideas. And, um, you know, I get challenged on it. The product team will go, well, why do you want to do, do that? Boy, that sounds nice, but is there a genuine kind of use case? And I think you've got to get your whole team into that mindset that, yeah, we want ideas. That's how things get better. And that's how we keep, you know, um, at the top of our game. But you've got to come with a kind of, you know, compelling reason. It's got to be evidence-based. And um, the whole business has that mindset because anyone can bring an idea. Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of department you're in, but, you know, it all goes through that kind of same process. 
Where would you see the, if you had to predict where event planning would be in, you know, 20, 10, 20 years from now, what, what, what's, what's help share your vision, you know, uh, where, where are you going with your product and where do you see event planning being here in the, you know, 10 or 20 years? Yeah. So I think people are now much more uh, tech savvy than they were probably three years ago when, you know, even, you know, my mother's using an iPhone and FaceTime and stuff, and that probably wasn't the case back in a few days. So people are just more comfortable with uh, with technology. Um, and I, the other thing I would say is there's a more willingness to go into 3D. I always think people will like to plan in 2D because it's just a, a way that humans can see things really well and you get the context of the space. But there's certainly more uh, of a drive to move into, into 3D. The challenge with the 3D is the software's kind of been there all the time, not all the time, but for the last couple of years, it's the hardware catching up to be able to kind of process that. So, you know, if you want to play um, some of the high-end computer games, you're going to, you do need a pretty good um, kind of, you know, uh, machine, laptop or, or desktop. Um, but as the hardware gets better in the, the data centers and in the cloud services, uh, Wi-Fi gets better. It means that more of these high-end, uh, very realistic environments can get into anyone's uh, machine anywhere. And the, you know the challenges we have technology-wise are not with the software. It's really you know what's the Wi-Fi connection like in that particular location? Can it get past the firewall? Can we whitelist it? How does it work? You know, and how many concurrent users do you want? So some of those challenges are hardware challenges, but the big players. It's, they're all looking at it. They're all coming up with kind of solutions uh, around that. You know, we work very closely with Intel, for example, uh, on the Olympic projects. You know, we know they're they're doing a, a lot of work in that area. So I think it'll be accessible to more people. And the other one which I'm really excited about is um, not just virtual reality, but augmented reality. So mm-hmm. um, if I've got an event site plan that I've done, can I go out on site with my with my um, smartphone and actually hold it up and scan it and go, ah, okay, that's what that sign will look like um, in a couple of months' time before the event. Okay, is the arrow pointing in the right direction? Is the typeface big enough? Like really basic stuff that you just don't get from a 2D plan or looking at a PowerPoint presentation. Okay, that looks about the right height and things. So bringing the augmented reality in, and you know, there's some. It's quite big already in the in the gaming and fan engagement side, but it's a real opportunity to use it in the operational planning, and it will make things safer. It will help to drive more efficiency. So, uh, and also with cost as well. So I think it's a really good reason to to move into that. Super, super interesting. Very interesting. I, I was wondering if you were going down, if you're going to go down the uh, the, the augmented or virtual reality path. Uh, there's a lot of you know a lot of things being published about the metaverse and things and so forth. And so I, I, I could see that being a logical you know a path in, in the future for this kind of planning technology. This is really neat. So um, maybe I'll ask an open-ended question. Uh, what else would you like to share? about open plan that we haven't talked about yeah just it's a you know it, it's available for for kind of anybody and we, we we're really keen to work with different partners and, and explore some different sectors as uh as well you know we're really keen for example to get into um refugee site planning where we know that some um, some people have kind of played around with the platform in, in in that kind of area um but for us we're we're open we're looking to kind of visualize data in, in a better way that's what we often talk to kind of clients about so uh, we're very open uh you know we would like to work with all sorts of kind of different partners help them to visualize their data uh, better you know we were talking to um 
uh, telephone providers, uh, mobile telephone providers in, in France earlier about the Olympic project, you know, visualizing some of the data they have in terms of people movement analytics. And that could have been really helpful for planning the opening ceremony. First time ever, the opening ceremony for the Olympics in Paris will be along the river, not in a stadium. But all the people movement challenges, you can imagine how you know challenge that will be. But if we can get any data about how people move around the city today, that will help inform the planning and potentially also um, doing kind of real time monitoring as well. So we're really keen to kind of work with partners, talk with partners about how we can help to visualize their their data better. Um, yeah, because that's that's the way you know um, we make things better, and also it's 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 mutually beneficial. That's great, Paul. Thank you so much for spending some time today. I think open plan sounds very interesting and I'm, I'm really uh, happy for your success so far and, and wish you the best in the future. Um, thank you for joining, Paul. No problem. Thank you for taking the time for the uh, interview. Really appreciated the conversation and to learn more about um, uh, CDO Magazine, please uh, visit our website. We have additional uh, interviews there. Thank you.